Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 124 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is second drafts. Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the super drafty, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? <laughs> super drafty. I really came to mind. I'm like, you know, I fart a lot. <laughs> I couldn't possibly say, but, you know, having shared a, shared a cottage with you for a, a, a few days, I didn't see any evidence. Okay, are here. I guess you don't. You wouldn't really see it, otherwise I definitely have a problem. <laughs> All right, what have I been up to? Um, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't been up to much since technically I'm on vacation. I'm still kind of easing into the vacation mode. I'm trying to get some of the work stuff done before I bunk off for my vacation. But technically I'm on vacation, so I've done the bare minimum on the work side. You know, I just check for those random emails you get from Amazon that have that say like. You have four days to correct this or or else. Like, have you ever gotten one of those emails? For the pre-order? No, just for any any time. Like, sometimes when they, like, what was it, two or three years ago, for some reason, they wanted the um, table of contents. They wanted us to move them from the back to the front. Or, like, if someone's noticed, like, a typo or something yeah. like that, and they send you that oh, yeah. email. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's very sent from a central machine, and there's not much um, nuance or personal touch to it, is there? It's like fix no. this, or we're going to kill you. Yeah, pretty much. So I always like whenever I'm even on vacation, I always just like to skim my email to make sure I don't have one of those, <laughs> because it's always kind of like oh, you feel like you're like you've done something wrong, you you've broken a rule, and then you look at it and be like, oh, you guys are still on this. Like I got the um. It was like a year after the fact where they decided that they did not care where the table of contents was anymore. I don't know what triggered that panic. And then they were like, well, we don't care if you put it in the back. And then I got one like a year or two later. And I was like, I thought this issue was like put the bed, but apparently not. I got, or maybe it was just an old email that was in a drafts folder. I don't know. But anyways, I have not received any panicked Amazon emails, which is very nice. Since I'm not working, I finally started reading that Brandon Sanderson book. Do you remember that one I held up that's like mm-hmm. 1,300 pages? Yeah. So it's book two in the Stormlight Archive. And when I purchased big book two, I also picked up book three because I was like, that was my reading summer project. But then I was I was Googling the Stormlight Archive to find out, you know, is book four coming out soon because I'm really enjoying book two. And then I found out there's a book 2.5. What? So, I know. <laughs> I know, and there's a book 3.5, so I was like, well, shit, I need to read 2.5 before I can move on to 3, so it's not that big of a deal, because I'm only on 300 pages, and I still have, like, 900 pages to go, so book 2.5 will arrive in time for people who are stressed out about this. I am, I, I'm hoping it will be fine, but um, I would like our listeners to help me, because, um, as people know, I really do, like, um, the fantasy novels like Brandon Sanderson. So if people can suggest lesbic titles that are kind of along the lines of Brandon's, Brandon Sanderson, I would like to know. I do have a Genius Link update. Recently I mentioned that the Amazon stores were not connecting when I was creating the links for iHeartLesbic. And I thought it would correct on its own. And then when I went to do the um, IHL newsletter the following weekend, it was not corrected. <laughs> so I finally emailed them 
And I said, I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but no, none of them are connecting to Amazon. So, or I mean, to Australia. So um, I got an email the next day, and it was fixed by then. So I don't know. Do people just not notice? Do they not check their links when they're making them? The whole genius link thing, as I said to you last time, last time or one of the recent episodes, it's just such a, it's just such a minefield, and I think that they change all the time, don't they? And we just don't know. Yeah, like every once in a while, like they, they introduce something. Like now, it's supposed to link to Poland, but mine never linked to Poland, and it's supposed to link to other stores. But like the major ones, the major ones, I definitely want them to link. You definitely, to me. yeah, you definitely want that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always amazed, like when one of the major ones go down. But anyways, so they, but they're always very delightful when you like um, send them a chat message, like they do address it as quickly as they can and they're always very polite and everything so I appreciate that because there's some companies you do try to contact and they just you never hear from them but they are always on top of it so I appreciate that now as for the car update because we've been discussing how I'm trying to buy a car and let me tell you buying this car has been a huge pain in my fucking ass like oh my god (laughs) trying to coordinate everything for this and I know it's um it's just the times right now. Everyone's shorthanded and everything, and it's, it, everything is just hard. And I'm trying to be patient, but um, I would like to get it done, and I might possibly get it done over my holiday. I've actually was able to purchase car insurance, so that is a step in the right direction. I got my parking permit for my apartment. Now I just need the car. I'm paying for car insurance. I don't have a car. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what's going on here. I found out I'm missing a book or two in my Sanderson collection and I'm on holiday and I can't seem to buy a car. I have money. Take my money. Give me a car. <laughs> oh, we did say we're going to um, reveal a new fact about your car. So we know it's a black Honda. Um, I'm not going to say anything more because what if I don't buy that one? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, not being a driver and not being interested in cars, I'm struggling now because it's we've got the colour and we've got the, we've got the type. Four doors or two? It does have four. Four. Well, there we go. That's to, that's this week's fact, everyone. Tune in next week and we'll find out what leader the engine is. Oh, we're all hanging off the edge of our seats. I don't know if I actually know that. <laughs> I don't really know much about cars. But I know it has four doors and hopefully four tires. TV, we could have revealed that next week, for God's sake. Right, she's, she's, just, uh, she's just blowing it all straight away. Right. Well, that's good. Uh, and um, be on holiday for the next week. Um, read some books. Have some have some cake. Lie, lie flat. Over here, we're recording this uh, just at the beginning of August. This comes out on August the 9th. So I've been um, getting stuck into the next book I'm um, the next book I'm writing. Uh, I'm in the second draft, and I'm not going to say too much about that now because. Today's topic is second draft, and I'm going to be talking about it uh, when we cover that. So, but I've also been sorting the cover out for it as well because I've got the title, and my cover designer um, has come up with a couple of good options for the cover. So, I'm hoping to get that sorted out today. I've been back and forth with her over the weekend, so uh, that's exciting. And then I can start previewing that cover. I've got quite a tight turnaround on this one, so um, I'm I'm trying to get my head in the game. But it is hard when you've got. A new release out and there's always bits and bobs to do for that isn't there like sort of hangovers the the new release schedule starts about a week before two weeks before and ends about two weeks after so there's always bits that you forget like I was going to write the whole way up to my release 
uh, that week before and I managed it one day. <laughs> so my multitasking, I was really patting myself on the back and then it just ground to a halt. But now back into it. Other things that happened uh, this week. Well, TB, I don't know if you saw, but um, I won a Goldie over the weekend. I did see that. I, for the categories, it seems like there were like three or four names. Are they like, is it like, is it like the Olympics where you get a gold, silver and bronze or do you just all jointly win first? Yes, you just, they just have winners. They don't have gold, silver, bronze. So uh, that's but, good because otherwise that's kind of like, yeah, you just want to win. Yeah. Yeah. So mine was read out first because it begins with B. So I call that a win, right? <laughs> oh, the title. I'm like, yeah. your name doesn't start with a B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, honestly, you know, we've discussed awards on this on this podcast before. Um, we all know that neither of us are fans and that um, I entered this because a few readers asked me to. Um, and I really didn't expect to win. Um, and I have to say, it's nice to win. It's nice to win an award, isn't it? It was very unexpected. It was nice. And I did actually uh, zoom in to the virtual conference. So I got to do an acceptance speech, which I really didn't have prepared. So it was very short. And I didn't thank my wife and she's still she's still frowning at me. Why didn't you thank me? <laughs> Some people had like no. massive speeches prepared. They clearly expected to win. They'd written like a minute long speech. Mine lasted 10 seconds. I like to thank the Academy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my editor. <laughs> Was it late in the evening for your award? Uh, no, it wasn't too bad because they started at four o'clock Eastern, so it was nine p.m. UK. But it was on a Saturday night, so uh, we did go out um, on Saturday in the day to the Champion Pub, which is featured in Big London Dreams, my historical romance that I've just launched, and uh, that's where my tea lead characters have their first dance. Now it used to be. I found out some new facts about it at the weekend, so let me just fill you in on those because it's really interesting. So the Champion Pub is used to be it's in Bayswater so it's not it's Notting Hill is the nearest tube so your neck of the woods where you sleep. oh my right? gosh the one on Bayswater Champion Pub yeah do you remember when you said with the setup you really like that detail where the guys the pub guy stopped spraying the hose yes yes that was Champion Pub well you know where we are then amazing <laughs> So the Champion Pub, um, because my lead characters, they live in White City, so this was like their nearest gay bar. It was a gay bar all through um, from about the 30s or 40s up until 2004. And it was also Freddie Mercury's local, right? Because he lived around that area when he was alive and when Queen were in their heyday. And him and the band used to go to that pub all the time. And it's the he wrote We Are The Champions in The Champion, and it's about them being regulars at the champion i remember seeing a plaque one of those plaques that said that you know he lived there so yeah it is really close i guess i didn't really consider that part but that's interesting yeah that's a fun little fact but it's a nice pub though too i like it it is a really nice pub and so it was really nice to go there and um did a few videos and pictures outside with my book so that was nice we did that saturday came back uh dialed into the conference at 9 p.m and mine was the third award so um you know, I think the awards went on for two hours and I did, um, I was there for like over an hour of it. Um, and then I had to go for a wee and make a cup of tea and things like that and, and have a glass of a glass of uh, wine to toast my taste my award. But it was nice to win, so um, yay. Isn't this the one, the book that's being uh, published in Brazil and in Germany? Yes, this is before did you, you let your Did you let your publishers know so they could add that to the details? I didn't. Should I? I would. Okay, I will. 
It still hasn't been launched in Brazil, actually. I, got, I don't know when that's going to happen. They, it's been on pre-order in Brazil for about six months, and, and it was meant to be May, then it was going to be June, then it was July. We're into August, don't know. So what you're saying is I should never try to buy a car in Brazil? Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that my publisher was saying that they've just, they're just having so much, so many issues with COVID in Brazil, and it's affecting every every part of the staffing, and, you know, so... Yeah. I'm, I'm not pushing them and um, when it happens no. it happens they've been hit hard and my heart goes out to my heart goes out to everyone who is dealing with covid and all the problems because um it's surging again and the other thing is um the olympics are still going on i think they might be just about finished by the time this comes out but uh well as we're recording i'm i'm really enjoying the olympics i love the women's football unfortunately we got knocked out by australia so that was a tense moment in our house as my australian wife <laughs> tried not to cackle um, and uh, bloody Sam Kerr eh? she's quite good at football And uh, but I've just been loving uh, watching all, all, all of it really um, it's really nice I've been getting up quite early I was up at 7am this morning to watch the diving and my boy Jack Law uh, brought home a bronze Tom Daly won gold we're doing pretty well in the in the medals so it's just but it's just lovely to see the athletes there was a um, I just watched the women's 200 today and uh, the woman the American woman Thomas, I can't remember. I think I can't remember her first name. Maybe Gabby. Gabby Thomas. She got a bronze, and she was so thrilled. I just love it. People work so hard for like twenty seconds of their life. It, it is amazing to watch because like the dedication it takes to reach this level. But I have. A, isn't Australia the um, team the Americans are going to face now in the bronze yes. match? Yes. Yes. So by the she time she might be cackling again. Yes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> she might. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to be supporting Australia, uh, you know, to beat America in the bronze. Uh, but I, I'm hoping that um, Canada can beat, well, I don't know, Canada and Sweden. I don't really mind who wins, but I've got Canadian relatives, so, but Sweden. Yeah, but it's hard to hate anyone in Canada or in Sweden. I know, right, yeah. Places, so. <laughs> Two of the most polite, lovely nations. Uh, but I think oh, yeah. Sweden probably edge it because um, they've got the better outfit, right? I don't have cable right now and I have to like sign up for everything so I haven't been watching it as much because it's uh, they've made it hard for people who have tried to cut the cord <laughs> so I'm just like and by the time I get up like I when I check the news I find out where all the happenings are anyway and it's like it's not fun to watch a race knowing how it's gonna end yes uh yeah no it, it, it's been I think the timings are worse for you right because if I get up at 7 a.m uh, that is like what well, it's like mid-afternoon in Japan so yeah. then I can watch the like you know you can watch a good sort of uh, five six seven hours of, of competition which I was doing at the weekends uh, and yeah. then I, I tend to have my breakfast watching some sports so that's nice yeah that's yeah, it. it's a bit different because they're they're recording it and then they're not playing it until the evening and, and then you just have to avoid every yeah. bit of news for like the and that's really hard to do in today's world yes it is yeah <laughs> Uh, and then uh, other than that, I, I too, I'm going away on a on a long weekend with some friends down to the south coast this weekend, so that'll be nice. All right, what you got? Comments, comment monitor. All right, we got two. First up, we have uh, Sophie Lennox who commented on Twitter. Sophie was responding to the translation episode, and Sophie suggested that maybe we should try Google Translate a quote from our new books and put that in the dedications from a random country, and who knows what will come out. That could be a fun game. I don't know if I'd actually print it in the book, but no. it'd be kind of fun on the website. <laughs> but, like, it'd be really, like, what happens if you accidentally insult people? Yeah. But it might be a fun, maybe, drinking game. I don't know how you can make that work, but 
Um, and then also, uh, Nyland bought us a coffee. So thank you very much, Nyland. Thank you. I don't have any, well, I do have one comment, but it's today's topic. Shall I just trot onto that? Today's topic is second drafts. Now, this was prompted by um, a lovely listener called Joe, who wrote in, I'm just going to read what Joe said, and then we'll we'll take it apart bit by bit, okay? So Joe says, how much do yours differ from your first? Do you have trouble putting aside the bits of the first that really need work? Do you get clingy and protective of what you've already done or are you ruthless? How do you decide what stays, what needs to be improved and what needs a complete rewrite? She also asks, what's the biggest workout you've totally scrapped? Did it hurt or did it do something better or did something better rise from the ashes? And then she said, how exactly do you do a first draft? Do you create a new blank document or work around and through the existing? Jo says sometimes she gets too psychologically bullied by what she's already written to completely delete it. Sometimes it gives her puppy dog eyes. Sometimes it hollers, but you spent a week on me. So she does uh, do a trick of changing font colour so she can't see it. Do, do we do that kind of thing? Uh, do we have any tips? Or do does Jo just need to harden up? That is that is a question. That's a big question, isn't it? So I thought, you know, um, good good topic to cover. And also I thought, timely, because I'm just doing... Uh, the second draft of my 20th novel so um, I know a little bit about second drafts and so does TB. So we have co-written together so we've seen each other's first drafts and um, and then on to our second and even though TB uh, did tell me just before this that she doesn't think her first draft is the same as anybody else's first draft because she's a unique sunflower aren't you TB? I, I don't know I think we do things in a in a fairly similar-ish uh, order from having written with you you have to understand that when I do a co-write with someone, when I have to hand back chapters back and forth, like I put more effort into oh, what I give okay. you. Yes. <laughs> and then when it's just me and my own accountability, like my first drafts are what I call brain dumps. And what, how to make sense of that is it's mostly probably like more outline-ish where there won't be complete sentences and stuff like that. So my first drafts are like, just a really long detailed outline and they're very scattered and like sometimes I don't know what the character name is yet so I just put XX or stuff like that so yeah my first drafts like what you saw was probably like my second or third because I worked it over several times before I gave it to you okay yeah that is another thing that um you will do if you co-write with someone <laughs> it's always slightly better your first draft because uh, you because you've looked you've read it over two or three times whereas tb says when you do it yourself you don't you just plow on and then you come back to it and you go what the fuck was i thinking here so that's mainly in fact what the fuck what the fuck was i thinking here is something that you will say quite often when you're doing your second draft tb is nodding in the background so um Here's what I normally do. Um, I outline first and then I write the first draft. And sometimes, um, and I tend to generally go from beginning to end. And sometimes I'll leave scenes to fill in if I don't if I don't want to do it then. Um, you know, I try not to leave sex scenes. I think in the one I'm doing at the moment, I haven't finished a sex scene, but I haven't left a sex scene. So I've stopped halfway through <laughs> three different sex scenes. Why? I think I do leave some scenes um, and fill them in later um, and there are normally things that I change as I go along and I will write notes in the manuscript and I will write notes that say things like seed this. This is a, that seed this is a, something I say right all the time in a first draft. So if I just think of something 
uh, and then I'll then I'll think okay that's good I like that but I'll have to go back and plant the seed earlier in the book somewhere my phrase is flesh this out flesh this out there you go so uh, we've all got different things we'll write or another really key one I always write in first drafts is more emotion here mine is description here <laughs> I need to decide on eye color here <laughs> Exactly. So so you'll have all these little notes in your first draft and then you get to the end of the book. Now I you know, I got to the end of this first draft and it's it's a bit short because I've let, I probably I think I've probably missed about wholly uh, about three chapters. Now the reason for that is because they're the end ones and, and because of my releasing uh, Big London Dreams, sort of when I was about three quarters of the way through it, then I had then I had to stop and then I lost the momentum and I lost exactly what I'd done um, in the in the first draft. So what I decided to do was just leave it and then start my second draft without completely finishing my first. Now it's it's more or less done. Then I will just go through this first draft, and I do that on screen. Now I know some people do print it out, but um, I do it on screen. I'm using Scrivener. It's here. It's in the second draft where you go through all things like TB has already mentioned. So I will nail down their names. Now I, I've changed um, one lead character's name and one side character's name already uh, in my second draft for this book I'm doing. I'll nail down exactly what they look like because um, it normally flips and flops around <laughs> in the first draft as I forget what they look like and what their hair colour is and eyes. I will nail down things like company names, place names, um, where they live, descriptions. If, and as I go through, if there are scenes dragging or boring, I cut them. Things will change to, from one to two, but it just depends, some more than others. In your, in your first draft, it's very vague and you don't have to be specific. But I think in the second draft, it's about getting specific and nailing the descriptions and nailing the emotions and really firming things up. So by the time you get to uh, your third draft, uh, the story hangs together in a much tighter way and the gaps are filled in and you've got the chapter, you've got something in for every single chapter <laughs> and every single scene is written. Now see with me, that's not until my third draft, and, but usually I hold off on writing the end until really late in the game. Because okay. I, like I like to really get in touch with the feelings and get really in touch with the characters. Now I remember there was one author I heard speak at um, the London Book Fair many years ago, I think it was Patrick Ness, but he said, and I found this amazing because I had already been uh, publishing when I was going there. He said he knows the very last line of a book before he starts the very first word. Mm. And I was like, how the fuck? Yes. <laughs> how the fuck do you do that? Because I have no idea. I think he's probably in the minority. <laughs> I don't think many people uh, have the first line or the last line. Oh my gosh, I was amazed by that. And I was like, is this like, is this a bravado kind of thing or is this true? Mm. But I don't know. But yeah, so when you when you talk about your second draft, that's probably my third draft. <laughs> okay. So there are and so there are some things that um, will happen in second draft and some things that will happen uh, for TB third draft. So once you've once you've filled in all the gaps, then you can go through it again. So second and third draft is a similar kind of thing. Although for the third draft, I then read it on Kindle and make notes. And normally those notes will go from anywhere from about 500 to 700 notes and there'll be anything so it could be the smallest thing it could be a repeated word or it could be sort this fucking paragraph out it's shit but it could be just like you know um i've, I've said the word two twice or something so they can be really small uh, changes or they can be big and even though i think the second draft is probably the most 
the most painful. I think the third draft is where the story really starts coming to life. But I think the second draft is the most painful because you're having to try to make sense of what you've written in the first, um, where I'm really just trying to get the story out and down on paper. I'm trying to tell myself the story. That's the point. In the second draft, you're looking at it from a reader's point of view and you're trying to tell them the story. Yeah, I mean, we're writers. We're not supposed to know what the words are, are we? No. And it's in the third draft, I think, that you start doing sort of callbacks then. You'll go through and then you'll start tying bits of the front to the end and shading in all the stuff that happens later, really shading it in. That you will start shading it in in version two as it's seeding things and shading, but in version three, you'll really start shading. And then uh, by the time you reach version four, that's when you have like a story that's got all these nuances and things that happen in the beginning that connect to the end. And people think you're a genius, but you don't have to be a genius. You just have to go through all the steps. Yeah, I usually, when I get to the stage where I, I need to, like when you get to the Kindle stage, um, I don't do it on the Kindle, I do it on my computer, but I usually have like a notebook right next to me and jot down all of the notes I need to do and be like, oh, this is a nice line in chapter two. Remember this at the end it connects stuff like that so um yeah but it is it is a process and I think a lot of people would be very surprised by how much work goes into in between all the different drafts and um everything but I are we going to address the the greatest amount of words we've dumped I've got the list of uh of the questions that Joe asked so uh, how do we do it all first do we use the same document yes um, I do it all in Scrivener. Now, interestingly, there is a save. Do you use Scrivener? I do use Scrivener, but I usually, by the third draft, I like to put it into, um, I like to export it. Yeah. Okay. And stop using Scrivener at that point. And if you're scared of Scrivener, um, I really don't use many functions in it. Don't be scared of it. It's, it's, I think it's great to write in. Uh, once it's gone to my editor, then I'm in Word because all the track changes she gives me back are in Word and it's just easier to have that document. Um, I'd much prefer to stay in Scrivener, but it doesn't make sense to. So um, probably I'm in Scrivener till about draft three or four, depending on how many there are. There is a save function in Scrivener where you can save previous versions of a scene or a chapter, and I have done that. So if you're not sure, you're like, oh, well, I need to change it, but I would like, I really like what I've written here, which is one of your questions, Joe. I have saved what I've done, taken a screen, basically it takes a, a screenshot of it, um, and then saves it. I've never, ever gone back. Okay, I what, when I have to move something or I'm, I'm just not sure if this part's gonna stay, I put it at the end where you can have like extra stuff, so I copy and paste it into there. And then um, sometimes I've used it, and sometimes I haven't. I call them, I just put them in what I call like bonus scenes. But yeah, sometimes you just, I know it's painful, but sometimes you just have to hit that delete if it's not working. Yeah, and I think that gets easier as you go on in your writing journey. Uh, I know that I used to have more trouble deleting words before. Now I just think I can write more words. Do, do we have trouble cutting words? That was the next question. Well, I kind of just, uh, yeah, kind of just answered that, didn't we? Do, do you agree? I'm kind of brutal. A recent project of mine, like I, I, I started off the first three chapters, and this was the very rough first draft. After I ran them by uh, my co-author, and we decided, we're like, we're just going to ditch every single word. And I do stuff like that. But the biggest cut I ever made to a book was 30,000 words. That was a fun day. Yeah. <laughs> 
that I think would be painful. As you go on in your writing journey, it's easier to cut words because you know you can rewrite. And actually, as you go on, you learn to trust your voice. And even if you cut them, it's you, it's, you, it's your voice that is writing it. So you, will, you could write that scene again and it would probably come out in a similar way because it's your voice. I am ruthless in my life, actually. I throw things away. Ask my wife, she's, a, she's more of a hang on to things. I'm more, put it in the bin. So cutting words is not that difficult for me. The most I've ever cut, probably about 20,000. That was from London Calling. There was a lot of backstory in my beginning and it was pointed out to me um, by somebody and it is a classic early writer mistake so I did cut them and that was probably the most painful cut as well. Now I, d I don't really tend to overwrite these days, maybe I'll, I'll cut up anything up to 5,000-ish words but then I'll always add them back. Yeah, I love the part in, um, what is it, On Writing by Stephen King where he was talking about Kill Your Darlings mm. and he was showing a draft to his wife and his wife read it and she was like, man, this first like 10 pages, they're very dry. And he was like, well, I need, that's, that's important backstory. She's like, yes, but you have to bore the reader with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started cutting it as well, because that is the thing. If you, especially if you do a ton of a backstory dump in the very beginning, it slows it down and you're not going to hook your readers. You need to know the details. You don't need to share every single detail in yeah. the story. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how do you decide what stays, what needs to be improved and what needs a complete rewrite? Um, I guess you just go with your go with your gut and also um, if it is too much backstory, if you're bored, your reader will be bored, you know, it's, it's those old adages. Check, look out for repeated things. So if you're doing a lot of exposition, and then you just say exactly the same thing, but with dialogue. One of those needs to be cut. I would keep the dialogue because, like, it's showing more. Or if there's like an action that repeats what the dialogue says, um, I, I usually, I'm, I'm a big fan of the dialogue. It does become easier to know. And also, if you um, have a uh, beta team and editors, they'll also tell you to be like, you know, this whole. My editor is constantly saying, you know, this whole paragraph here lifts out and it doesn't do anything. So, um, and I always, I'm always like, all right, I'll just delete it. Especially once you get to that stage when someone else is telling you, you just have to trust mm. the system. I, I heard a, an author on a podcast recently. Like he, he's one of these authors that writes like 10 books a year or something. So he's got a constant uh, production schedule going on. And he said that the only way he can do that is he trusts his editor. And he used to go through editor's uh, corrections and one by one. And now he just says clicks approve all changes and he said he read his book back and he couldn't see the joins so now he just trusts the editor and I was like wow that is a that's a big leap I think probably if most of us did that we probably wouldn't probably see the joins I've worked with my editor for a very long time that I have gotten to the point like I have two files I have the um, one with the track changes and then I, I immediately um, create a clean file and it's very rarely I've noticed something and sometimes it's like, or, or she's just reworded something, and I go back, I'm like, oh, that is better. Thanks. Wow, that's much better. <laughs> Stuff like that. But I do immediately, when I get a file back from my editor, I do immediately um, create that clean file and accept everything. So there you go. Um, we hope that that has answered your question, Joe, uh, and that it's filled you in. But, I mean, again, second drafts are 
it's where the book really starts coming to life. Um, really, third third draft and fourth draft is, is really where mine really takes off. But it would never be able to get there without the second draft, which puts in all the building blocks and gets everything in place. So then you can... It's like, it's like creating a really nice sponge cake. And then drafts three and four are where you do all your elaborate icing. Um, it's not a very good analogy because I'm shit at uh, cake decorating, but I make a good sponge. So there you go. Maybe it's not bad and it's not bad analogy. <laughs> I made a really nice sticky toffee pudding at the weekend, by the way. I'll make it for you if you ever come over here again. But I think the key thing to remember is that your story is never going to be perfect. Even at the end, even when you send the book off, even when the, it hits the reader's Kindle, it's never going to be perfect. And the second draft is just part of the process. It's not going to be perfect. Drafts are messy. You just have to work through the process. Yeah, and it does get easier the more you, you you get under your belt. I mean, probably in the earlier days, I didn't want to cut anything because I was like, oh my gosh, I spent so much time on this. But now I'm like, 30000 All right, let's cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we caution against doing the whole 30000 thing. That's quite a lot. <laughs> but sometimes, it's uh, if, if, if you know, you know. You develop um, a sense. Tell us if this has been helpful and let us know uh, what your second draft tips and tricks are. Uh, and join us next time. In fact, we're having a week off next week, aren't we, TB? Yeah, we're taking, uh, there won't be a new episode on, what is it, the 16th? There won't be an episode on the 16th, but there will be an episode um, on the 23rd and, and the 30th and ad infinitum. I was going to say until we die, which is a good trail for the next <laughs> for the next uh, episode, which is on the twenty third. Which is what would you if you died tomorrow? What would you be most proud of? That's what we're discussing. So do let us know um, what you think of uh, second drafts, and do let us know any um, if any of our episodes have been helpful or have inspired you. Get in touch on the website lesbianswhowrite.com. Email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. Twitter us at Les Who Write, Facebook us, Instagram me, and if you love what we do, please consider going over to um, our website and buying us a coffee. Um, all help, much appreciated. So join us uh, on the 23rd, um, where we'll be discussing what we'll, be, what we'll be most proud of if we should die. Don't die before then, TB, okay? Yeah, cliffhanger there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, thanks for uh, listening. See you then. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time. <laughs>